the consideration is the longer I cut, I'm I'm missing out on strength gains. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like the the kind of bro inside me start to see a little bit of extra leanness and is thinking like I can keep going with this. Mm. Um, yeah, I understand the the inner bro. Mm. Um, I think you need to. Is that a blue drink? Blue glass. Blue glass. Yeah. Right. So you're training like a bastard at the moment as well. So that's something to <laughs> bear in mind. Um, adding calories very slowly. 100 calories a week is is quite rapid though. Day. Like, as in, yeah. Sorry. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. 100 calories yeah. a day per week. No, no. Week. I, I, um, I wasn't going to do that every every week. Fine. And then in a year you'll be at like 10,000, and we'll be uh, obviously I'd stop. <laughs> seven weeks now cutting and the competition is in feb march april may 12 weeks qualifier and then nationals is in october again i'm already qualified yeah i'm already qualified i quite like the deadlift record though in 12 weeks Mm, it's only 300 kilos um like i I should have had 300 kilos multiple times this year last year yeah, but then, so all I need to do then is get my total for nationals up by 10 kilos by ramping calories up. And before we know it, I may be going back to Worlds again. I've just typed in Owen Hubbard's current total using his best lifts. 780? Yeah. He just squatted 275 or something, or 277. In that case, then it's 787. <laughs> And then Brett Gibbs dips him, dips him in yogurt and wipes him all over the table, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> you fucking bastard! They're uh, in Australia, aggressive. <laughs> yeah, he's. Is that an established thing people do? <laughs> Just such a vanilla thing to dip someone in as well. <laughs> Just really annoying. Imagine being dipped in yogurt and having to get on with the rest of your day. Oh, you, you, it wouldn't come out in the shower and. Are you recording this, by the way? Yeah. Um, as long as just don't say, don't put anything in that's incriminating, makes you seem weird. Okay. I'm, I'm sure you'll probably put this bit in. <laughs> I'll cut out all of the the racist, homophobic stuff that we've just been discussing, and uh, that was right. a joke, by the way, guys. We uh, we are not racist or homophobic. Well, I'm not. Ah, uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> what podcast is it? It is 27 or 28? Episode 20. I'm going to run out of breath before I see the number. 27. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Propane Fitness Podcast, episode 27. So it's just Yusuf and I here today. We don't have any guests. And we are just going to answer some questions that we've been asked through the various channels that we collect questions from. Um, So before we get started, just to remind you, I know we discussed it. um, We forgot to mention it last time, but we discussed it the podcast before that we are now posting every week with the podcast, the show notes to what we discuss. We tend to get questions from people after we've done the podcast saying, I know you mentioned this thing, but do you have a link for it? So We've, we've solved that problem for you. Every week on the main site, we'll be posting show notes, links to anything we discuss, and an opportunity as well to get on our email list so you get notified when we do post a podcast because 
we know that you obviously love us that much. Um, so, uh, Yusuf's here as well, just sitting hey quiet. Guys. So, yeah, do keep the questions coming as well. We uh, we enjoy answering them, and it gives us some uh, some good stuff to to talk about too. Well, we'll put should we'll put a link on the uh, on the show notes for people to ask questions as well if they are sitting doing that. And also, if you're a member of our um, exclusive Inner Circle subscriber list for and you get our emails, then um, just reply to any of the emails that we send, and we will um, either answer you there and then, or if it's a longer answer question, then uh, we'll do a podcast about it. We will. We will indeed. So today's topic is surrounding the Masters athlete and how that, what well, some of our readers, I guess, believe that that, that is a, a... Were you about to say something? Yeah, so this is a question from Patrick O'Brien. Um, oh, okay. Was, uh, yeah, so he, he's been doing the protocol for a while, got some great results, and yeah, he said that the Masters athlete is completely underserved um, in terms of online fitness and just wants to know um, how you can adapt your training and diet to to match the uh, the older gentleman or lady. Um, so, you know, in terms of volume, recovery, and uh, how much is too much, and do you need to adjust things like recommended calories and things like that? Johnny, you're looking quizzical. I'm looking quizzical um, because... <laughs> On my laptop, I have at the top right-hand corner the Twitter feed, our Twitter feed, and we just got somebody just posted something um, that confused me, so I look confused. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, we should probably define a masters athlete first, shouldn't yeah. we? So, well, there's there's the IPF uh, definition, and then there's the kind of the colloquial just older person which is the uh, older, wiser, and and better human. <laughs> I think in general, <laughs> I think there are other federations that have, um, that have a master's classification. It's not just the IPF. Um, just for the sake of, so that it's, this is the sort of thing that if you get it wrong, um, we'd get people making fun of us. So... According to Wikipedia, Masters Athletics would start at 35. I was under the impression that the IPF Masters started at 40. Yeah, me too. But yeah. maybe so, that changes for different lifters. Yeah. Different, I guess different lifters, different sports. Different. <laughs> Are you old at 35? No, you, you've got to wait till you're 40. Um, I think the general, the general idea is that, you know, I think once you are late 30s moving into your 40s your your ability to recover and deal with this with the same loads and stresses you were placing on your body when you were 20 years younger is significantly reduced and that's why obviously if you, if you put a junior lifter against a master's lifter unless the master's lifter is an absolute beast the junior lifter is likely to have a lot of advantages and federations and different sports are all about kind of making it a level playing field, aren't they? So um, that's the reason for the master's classification, I guess. So that's, we'll, we'll chat about what things we think you would, you would look to change in your training, um, beginning with, I suppose, setting up a training plan. 
So we're going to have to make some assumptions here, aren't we? So let's say somebody is 40 years old for simplicity and they are trying to get stronger rather than, I think losing fat is probably a different, a different topic, but, um, there's, there's less going on with just a diet rather than a training program. Um, so I think the things to consider are that volume intensity and frequency are all inherently related to one another. And you cannot, um, you cannot look at them in isolation because if you change, let's say you're training three days a week, and you increase your frequency by training four days a week and don't adjust the volume of the other days, you are inherently increasing frequency and volume. And then if you increase intensity, you will probably also have to decrease volume because you cannot perform the same volume at higher intensities. So what do those terms mean? Well, volume is typically described as sets times reps. And then your volume load or tonnage would be sets times reps times load. Intensity is usually described as a percentage. So that would be 90% of your one rep max, for example. Some people refer to it as an RPE, so how many reps you had left at the end of the set. And then frequency is just how many times you train either a muscle group or a movement pattern in the week. So how many times you'd squat, how many times you'd bench, how many times you'd train arms, whatever it might be. Um, or how many times you do a backflip if you use stuff. Um, so I, I guess the, the thing to, to realize with that is that all of those things have an inherent effect on your, your stress, your total training stress, and then your ability to recover from that. So as somebody's aging, the thing that I would probably seek to reduce the most would be the, how often you touch high percentages of your one RM because things like, um, your ability to you know, recover in terms of just general soft tissue as well as neurally, hormonally, and muscular, muscularly. Is that a word? Muscularly. Muscularly. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> wrong. Um, your ability to recover in, in kind of all aspects is reduced and typically higher percentages tend to place a greater stress on those structures. So I would look at something like... Um, a, a rep progression scheme that generally doesn't take you over 80% that often. So something like five by five leading into, or like, you know, three by eight, four by six, five by five, deload, repeat, something like that. And then also changing how often you squat, because again, that's going to have an inherent, if you squat every day, that's a great demand on the hips, the knees, the back. So reducing your squat frequency to something like once a week, twice a week at most, um, that would be my kind of initial thoughts. Um, and I'm not letting Yusuf speak. So, <laughs> no, Yusuf, that, do you want to? Um, that, that's, that's a good intro to that. So, yeah, we've got some stuff on intro. how to. That's all I've got. <laughs> that's all you've got. Oh, I've got, I've got reams. <laughs> um, no, this is, um, yeah, that, that, that's a good overview of, you know, the, the, the volume does need to be adapted to, to match that change in recovery capacity, particularly if you are training with a powerlifting focus, we can look at the differences. For example, a program that we like to use if someone's looking to improve their squat is the, the Russian Masters program. Now, there is a Russian squat routine and a Russian Masters program, which are both based around the same concept, but the regular person Russian program is... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> is squatting Regular three Russian times man. a week. Regular Russian man squats three times a week. The older Russian man, the, the mature Russian gentleman squats twice a week. And uh, that's just to, to match that difference in recovery capacity. So to so talk a little bit, sorry, go ahead. Just to, is the Russian master's program nine weeks and the Russian squat routine six weeks? I think they're both eight weeks. Um, but they wrong, completely wrong. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, but there's, okay. I'm, sh- I'm sure there's variations of it, so um, okay. it may not. Yeah, and uh, but the yeah, ultimately, there is less frequency and less total volume load for the, the masters athletes. Now, the reason for that, if we look at what happens as you get older, there are a decline in a lot of androgens. There are hormonal changes, reduction in growth factors and growth hormone the tissue turnover rate reduces and also metabolic rate will decline gradually. Now, the difference between an older person who's starting training compared to if you start training between the ages of 16 and and 20 particularly, where you're basically on a natural steroid cycle and the (laughs) hormonal change that you go through during puberty is insane. And uh, it's something that I think both of us really regret not eating more when we were younger because um, just absolutely taking advantage of being on an endogenous steroid cycle and then having to try and scrape those gains once you pass that that window of, uh, of gains. So that's a big factor. And then once you hit 25, your hormone levels really start to stabilize. And as you grow older, you reach sort of 40 years old, the andropause kicks in, which is similar to the menopause for, for men reduction in testosterone however the good news is that resistance training offsets that reduction in testosterone so those are the the changes that happen the other thing is also because your tissue turnover rate is is reduced things like connective tissue are also slowed in terms of their recovery and so recovering from injury can take longer however it's not all bad news because a lot of the time you get older lifters that are stronger than um, their younger equivalents in their weight category. And that's partly because they've just had more time under the bar. They've managed to hone their skill better and they've developed the technical maturity um, to through you know accumulating more volume over their life. So that's from a powerlifting perspective. Anything to add, Johnny? Uh, well, uh, it just reminds me of um, when I was at Worlds. Get just dropping that in there. Um, I was in the warm-up room, and there was so for people who follow powerlifting, if you imagine this lineup, so there was Lane Norton, Christoph, where's your Bicky, whatever he's called, he wins everything. Um, Where is his Bicky? I don't think I don't think anybody knows. I don't think he's he's hiding it somewhere. He's hiding it from everyone and deadlifting 375 as a result. Um, Like Lewis Lewis, L.S. McLean. Um, plus a load of like Bulgarians and Russians and ridiculous people. And then on the squat rack in the middle was a Chinese, very small elderly Chinese lady. Nobody knew how she'd found her way into the warm-up room for the IPF Worlds. She wasn't on a team, but she was squatting for technique, like smooth, smooth up and down 170 for sets of five. Now, this lady mustn't have weighed more than 60 kilos, but her technique was flawless. So you've got the coaches 
from various countries, powerlifting coaches who are like jaw dropped at this, at this old lady. And so it's a perfect example of somebody who, you know, kind of had every factor against her. She was clearly, I would say, I'm guessing nearing 50. Um, so probably not elderly. I should probably rephrase that. Um, nearing 50, very thin, had the kind of an old set of squat shoes on and what looked like medical bandages around her knees rather than like the SBD head to toe kit. Um, but was making over double her body weight look like a joke. So that's an example of somebody who is a, who's acquired over time, a very particular set of skills, um, that make her very, very proficient at moving weight up and down through space. I love um, that story. Yeah. Just the looks that you get when you, you don't fit the, the bill of just <laughs> sort of grooving 200 kilo squat and just, uh, just as a bit of a, a light practice. It's a joke. <laughs> um, now that's actually, if, if you guys have read my article from this week, which is titled, Can You Gain Muscle in a Calorie Deficit? That's something that I mentioned and uh, if there is any demand for it, I can start doing audio versions of the, the articles that we write if you, if you can't be bothered to read them. But um, yeah, so one of the things that we mentioned is using age and gender as um, a kind of implicit limitation before you start. And this is often the fault of the trainers or, or the industry or the general infrastructure that tells you that women are somehow limited or that if you're older, you can't you can't make the same gains, and that can actually be quite insidious because then it starts to affect people's attitude from the outset and limit what they their reference point and what they feel that they can achieve. So an example that I used in the article is one of our clients called Sophie, who when she started out training, she just asked me for some advice. She was like, "Yusuf, can you take me to the gym one day? I want to get stronger." and so she trained with me, and because I was her only reference point, and I was deadlifting 240 or whatever, then she was like, well, why can't I do that as well? So as a result, she didn't have um, anyone telling her, oh, you're, you're a woman, so you can't lift as much and whatever. And as a result, she ended up, I think she deadlifted 155. Is that right, Johnny? 165 at nationals. But yeah, yeah. Um, and benched 80. So she was she was seeded like top ten in the country, I think, the female powerlifters on Wilkes. Pretty good. So. Now you could argue that she would have achieved that anyway, but um, with a lot of my other female clients, uh, something that I've seen is that there's a there's not official gender band limitation that's already applied on them of people telling them you're a woman, so you're never going to be as strong as a man, and and you, even you shouldn't lift heavy because mm. for some reason. Your, your body doesn't work in the same way as, as a man's when it comes to, to lifting a weight, which is ludicrous. Um, similar with some of our, our older clients that they don't have this, uh, this idea that they're limited because they're older. And as a result, their mindset is shifted and they're able to, um, to achieve that without, to, to just bat out any kind of concepts, so any limitations. One of, on one of those people is called Colin. Um, if you're listening, hi, Colin. Um, but I'll just read, uh, you know, of the past three days, he's made a couple of posts on our um, private Facebook group. Uh, and to quote, from nowhere, after three weeks of really struggling, 
bench press PB one rep max of 95 kilos, which for Colin is, is a big jump. And this is incidentally while he's dropping into the leanest state he's ever been in um, for his entire life, I believe. What's um, his body weight at, Johnny? That is a good question. You're really putting me on the spot there. I think he's 71. It's something like that, yeah. So um, that is a 1.34 body weight bench. God, that's really good, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was. Um, yeah, so he, he's another example of someone who... Um, he sees the photos of our younger clients. He actually, you know, he's lighter than that. He weighed 70 kilos this week. Just gone. Just checking. Right. Um, he does turn anyway. up with 30 kilos around his waist as well. So yeah. it's yeah. not just a um, He uh, He sees some of our younger clients and kind of the strength results they have and the, the progress they make. And he every week he kind of tells me how um, that's going to be him next. So it, it's more the attitude that he has of, of not um, – I'm a bit older than some of the other guys and that's a limitation. It's I'm a bit older than the other guys and I'm going to show them. Um, and that's, you know, that it's what Yusuf alluded to in his article that a lot of it is mindset driven rather than process driven. You know, we're not, we haven't given Colin a special um, program. He's in fact following a very, very similar. Um, we have another client called Matt um, who made some fantastic progress. You may have seen some photos of him. Um, and both him and Colin followed the same um, underlying theme for the progression model that they're, that they're both using. Um, and both have made very similar progress on it as, a, as in terms of percentages of their, of their maxes, <clears throat> both while losing weight. So Colin just forgot about the fact that he should, in theory, be able to make less progress. And that's, I think, one of the main reasons that he was a, he's been able to make the progress that he made. So I guess we'll wrap up then with some some recommendations, um, even though I, I kind of, oh, go on. There is just, um, j- just to round up the, the perspectives we've, we've, a lot of this has been quite powerlifting focused, but yeah. the same thing applies for, for bodybuilding in terms of ability to recover from a certain amount of volume, which is the primary determinant of muscle gain, muscle size gain, mm-hmm. and also with fat loss. The fat loss is really the only thing that, um, that I think is going to be a slight hindrance However, as your basal metabolic rate drops, so will your appetite. So it's not going to be a huge problem. All you, all you can do and all you need to do is adjust the calorie calculators based on your age. And if you're not losing weight, the same rules apply. You still need to drop uh, or increase based on what your body weight is doing. Um, anything just to add? To, Yeah, just to touch on both of those things, I think the reason that we, we discuss it from a powerlifting perspective is just that when you're working with um, obviously volume is not the only cause of muscle growth, but it's probably the biggest indicator that we can measure and adjust. Now, if somebody's training for powerlifting, for example, or training for one rep max strength or, or training for hypertrophy specifically, the only real difference that we'd see in that is, is where their rep range lies. Um, it's more efficient to get more volume in at a higher rep range if you're just pursuing hypertrophy and don't have a specific need for a one RM development um but we'd still be tracking regardless of whether somebody is a bodybuilder or a powerlifter we'd still be looking at their total volume frequency and intensity over time and looking to modulate them to manage recovery um with regards to the fat loss i'll discuss what we did with colin because he's been losing fat for a while now um 
when when I work with somebody who is of a population that, as Yusuf says, you'd expect from the data their best starting point to be a little bit different, I would I would factor that into the initial calculation. And then the only thing that I really saw with Colin that would be different to say, again, Matt, as another example, would be the speed at which we were able to kind of find the point at which Colin could sustainably lose fat. Um, we had to take his calories slightly lower, as to be expected, but coincidentally, or is it coincidentally? Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but Colin complained of hunger much less than, than Matt did. So Colin experienced much, much less in the way of kind of the standard effects of dieting, despite the fact that his calories got to below 2,000 towards the end of the diet. So that's that mirrors what... It's really. It is, yeah. And it mirrors what you were saying about kind of hunger signals in satiety adjusting with your base metabolic rate as well. So the key um, thing there is, is just tracking really for everything, isn't it? I guess to it is, sure yeah. that all of it these is. variables are tracked. Um, you guys may have seen we have, a... Sorry. Uh, we, we, we harp on about this you know i think when people when we get questions that come down to um like i'm stuck in a position and i don't know what to do typically the best way to get a handle on that position is to get a really clear picture of where you are um numerically so if colin had tried to lose weight by just reading articles online about training for the for the older guy for example and like read the, the evidence that says that his metabolism might be slower he probably just moved his calories all around the place, tried low carb, tried paleo, and you kind of go for the magic bullet when things tend to stagnate. What we had was months of data that plotted his, his the trend in his rate, weight, rate of weight change and his average calories over time. And using that information, we were able to adjust some variables in his diet and in his training to allow us to reach a sustainable fat loss phase. And just to, I know we've talked about Colin a lot, but we actually got him to the point where I bumped his calories up to maintenance for a week. So we added probably nearly 800 or 1,000 calories to his daily intake and his weight continued to fall. And that's just an example of what you're able to achieve if you really fine tune things um, using data to drive decisions rather than just guessing. So tracking is is the thing. If you're not doing that, is is crucial. And the advantage there as well is that um, because Colin was being treated like anyone else and didn't have lowered expectations of uh, what was achievable, he ended up going for gold, which is uh, fantastic. Um, if you well seen, done, Colin. Yeah, well done, Colin, um, <laughs> and all of our other Masters athletes. If you follow our YouTube channel as well, you may have seen a video of me recently saying um, answering the question of uh, what happens when you stop training. And I just made a reference there to people that, as they get older, they, they gain a lot of weight quite suddenly. Now, yes, there is a slight decline in metabolic rate, but it it's not dramatic and it is gradual. So people often keep the same eating habits and as their metabolic rate drops, they stop activity, which probably accounts for another four to 600 calories. And so really, in my opinion, that's behavioral more than physiological and that's just something that would be fixed once again by tracking. I agree. Yeah, and there's you as well talked about. I think a question that some of the some of the older guys get is like, especially if they've trained when they were younger, is they they're told all the time that their muscles going to turn to fat, and that's something else that you or is that the video you're alluding to? Yeah, sorry, that was it. Uh, it was don't muscle uh, turn to fat. Yeah, not what happens when you stop training. That's <laughs> still in the pipeline. 
I was going to say, I thought, like, as he released this video today. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think back to if you're in this position, what to do now. Um, I would still say back to what I said at the beginning. Um, I would steer away from high free, super high frequency or super high intensity programs. So anything like squat every day um, or even things that, that involve you regularly testing your strength rather than building it. Um, five, three, one is even an example of that to a degree. That's a, it's a little bit different. Um, but if you find the program is calling for frequent maxing, um, or frequent heavy th triples or, or lower, um, I would consider moving to something a little less intense. Um, and I would also consider probably not straying over squatting twice a week, just because as we've discussed, things like tendons, ligaments, and joints don't have the, um, the ability to recover or deal with that level of stress that you would have had 20 years prior. Um, so something like five by five or the progression model that I mentioned and staying between 70 and 80% for most of your, most of the training would probably be where I'd go. Um, and then back to what we were saying, you know, track everything, get, get a real handle on the numbers, learn where you are and then make, make evidence-based data-driven changes, not just what seems like it might be a good idea. Okay, guys, hopefully we've answered that one. Hope you enjoyed it and speak to you next time.